Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Another edition of the Osmo MMA Strategy Show, of course, right here at Osmo.com. Of course, as always, I am joined by the fighter, Pete Rogers Jr. We're here to get you ready for Saturday's UFC 259. As we sit here right now, we've got 15 fights. So, Pete, true, false, we'll have 15 fights on Saturday night. I'm going true, man. I'm optimistic. I think that finally we're going to come, come out unscathed here. I mean, you talk about fight card of the year. I'm so so impressed with this card i'm so pumped from top to bottom you're talking about a stack fight card yeah it's a great fight card top to bottom as you mentioned there three title fights we're going to break all this one down for of course this show is sponsored by monkey knife fight go over to monkeyknifefight.com sign up and use the promo code awesomeo and you'll get an instant first match deposit bonus 
up to $50. Of course, they are a player props-based contest. Whether you want to play the UFC, NBA, PGA, Esports, Soccer, Monkey Night Fight has it all. So once again, use that promo code AWESOMO to get an instant first match deposit up to $50. Pete, let's get right into it. Main event, Jan Blachowicz defending the UFC light heavyweight title. The first time he's making his title defense as he is t- being challenged by the middleweight champion, Israel Adesanya, moving up to 205 pounds. Of course, we'll see tomorrow how much exactly Israel does weigh in at. That's going to be kind of part of it. I was watching that interview you did with Eric Holani where he talked about maybe he's going to be around 195-ish pounds. So we'll see what he does go in there. I mean, I think, Pete, the way this one break it down, and it's got to be you know, power versus speed. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're talking about Israel Adesanya trying to do the unthinkable, uh, go up a weight class. Um, a lot of middleweights have struggled at light heavyweight, but uh, I do think that Israel Adesanya has a nice style to have some success there. Uh, coming in against Jan Blachowicz, who definitely has the power advantage in this in this matchup, um, has really turned his his career around. Early on in the UFC, struggled a lot, but then started to find himself and kind of it took a little bit. Um, he was like a late bloomer, but I mean now he's the champ. I mean, excellent performance. Um, you know, nice knockout against Luke Rockhold, uh, Jacare Souza, and then uh, a beautiful performance against Dominic Reyes. He, he's definitely the more powerful guy here, the bigger guy. Um, you know, brings in a grappling background as well that I, I would love to see him test Izzy's takedown defense and also his ground game because I think that's a nice path to victory here. But Adesanya on the outside, longer guy, um, definitely the more technical, and, uh, you, know, you know, could outpoint Blahovich from the outside and just pick him apart. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do like Israel you know, in the spot. I think his speed, his technique will be the, the key to him. But, I mean, look, it's, you know, you can't deny the Polish power that, that uh, Jan Blachowicz has. And, and the crazy note about Jan is when you look at this on Saturday, I believe this will now be his, the 10th in his last 12 fights that he's been the betting underdog, which is a crazy number. And, and this is a guy that, you know, if I would have told you in 2017 that he was going to be the UFC light heavyweight champion in 2021, you would have said, Jason, you're crazy. I mean, the career resurgence that this guy has had where he had lost, you know, four out of five, you know, one of those losses was against Pat Cummings and just, you didn't, and then of course this career resurgence uh, that he has. But I do want to mention a stat that I sent over to Pete earlier today about the UFC in 2021 betting favorites. Their records is 46, 29 and one with two pickums, 32 finishes, 46 decisions. So we're talking about nearly 40% of underdogs are coming in in, the, in terms of this one. And uh, I mean, look, I, I think I, I don't, I'll have some exposure to Jan Blahovich, you know, just because of it's, it's a great value play. But I, I do think the right side is to take the Israel and Sanya side. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the card, you know, with 15 fights, you have to prioritize certain fights. And we will discuss on which title fights we feel that are crucial to your lineups. Um, of the three title fights, I definitely think that Blahovich has a great chance to pull the upset here. I mean, he's done it before. It's the argument, would you rather be lucky or good? I think he's a little bit of both. I know that he is talented. Um, you know, I think that he's kind of uh, – he, he got a title shot at the right time. If he's able to clinch up with Izzy and implement his wrestling and a strong BJJ background, I'm curious to see how that goes. But I do favor Israel Adesanya here at 9,200. I just worry about the overall score and if he doesn't get the finish, because I know that Jan does have a good chin, has been finished in the past, but – I favor Izzy. I like him on the outside. I, I, I just think that he can put it all together, 
have a complete performance, but, uh, you know, don't avoid Blahovich in some of your lineups. Definitely sprinkle him in. Yeah, I mean, just looking at the betting odds, that under two and a half rounds plus 125 is definitely a line uh, that does stick out to me. I, I don't think this fight goes 25 minutes. I think someone's going to eventually get a finish. But, uh, you know, I do think that this is going to be a fight that people are going to be looking at in terms of ownership. Of course, speaking of ownership, that is a free content right now over at awesomeo.com Ownership projections which is a great tool that we have over at the site to help you build those lineups. So you got to take advantage when it is free over there on the site. Of course, if you ever miss any of our shows, they are available on the Osmo Podcast Network. Just go to Osmo.com slash podcast. Maybe you can't uh, be in here on a Thursday night when me and Peter are doing the strategy show. All you got to do is subscribe to the Osmo MMA Podcast so you can get that. Uh, so you can listen to us on your way to, to work on, on Friday morning. So, and of course, uh, one of the great uh, things that we do have going on with our podcast channel is leave a five-star review on any of our podcast channels. Leave your Twitter handle or, or email address, and you'll be eligible to win a free week of Also Plus Platinum. One winner will be awarded every Friday, and reviews will be eligible to win for up to one year so good luck so check out there you see it there on the screen the tower has it up there uh it's uh i i always go back i listen to our shows after fact because sometimes I, I wonder did i maybe miss something that pete did say there but uh pete let's move on to the co-main event it is a man nunez versus megan anderson i guess just simply on this one what is the path for megan anderson to potentially pull off the biggest upset in ufc title history yeah, so, I mean, of the three title fights, Megan Anderson is obviously my least favorite underdog. I really don't – I'm probably not going to have a lineup with her, even though it's, you know, any given day, some, a fighter can have an off day. Um, I think the three narratives that you could bring up for Megan Anderson to kind of make a case for her um, are the size of her. Like, she's a pretty tall fighter for the division, so she's going to have the height and reach advantage over, over Amanda Nunez. I don't think it's going to matter, but you can make that case. You can make the case that she has James Krause in her corner, who under the tutelage of James Krause, maybe he developed an excellent game plan. You have seen what he's done to a lot of fighters under his stable. And then the third thing that you can bring up and make a case for is uh, Amanda Nunez is now a parent, and perhaps she's being somewhat distracted uh, you know, and, and not focused as she has been in the past. I mean, we're, we're grasping for straws right here, Jason. I, I really think that Amanda Nunez – it's a complete package. She's fought the who's who of the division. She can beat you in any facet of the game. Excellent striking, excellent wrestling, excellent jujitsu. I mean, you and I were talking pre-show and you brought up about how Holly Holmes out wrestling her. And I think that's, you know, an interesting uh, uh, take because like if Holly Holmes giving you problems via grappling and wrestling, I think Amanda Nunez is just a complete problem. And we should see a dominant performance from Amanda Nunez. Despite the heavy price tag, I'm going to have several lines with 9,600 Nunez in my lineup. Several? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm scared to say I might have like 80% of man Nunez. The, the only thing, right, is like, obviously, if you get like a third round and it's a boring first couple and she's able to stuff some takedowns or whatnot. But I don't see how Megan Anderson could really survive five. Felicia Spencer was tough enough. But I foresee 9,600, you know, I think it's warranted. All right, true, false. A man Nunez will get at least four takedowns. Now, that is a number that Holly Holm got against Megan Anderson. I don't think she needs that much, to be honest. I think she just needs a couple, and she's so talented with, you know, getting finishes via strikes and, you know, her submission ability. I think she can 
pull it off with less, but four would not surprise me at all. If it goes the distance, I definitely expect she's getting more than that. I mentioned a question from Miles in the chat. He says, outside of ownership, is Anderson playable on FanDuel at $13? I mean, like, I don't know. I I don't want to say, like, you're throwing your money away by betting on Megan Anderson because stranger things have happened in the fight game, right? Like, how many people counted out a lot of women women bouts? Let's think of uh, biggest upset, Holly Holm against uh, Ronda Rousey. A lot of people thought she was going to get destroyed, even people in her camp. And, um, you know... Maybe maybe James Krause came up with a great game plan or, you know, Amanda Nunez has an off night, runs into a shot. But really, like, that's like a, a 2% chance, 5% chance that that happens. So I can't recommend playing her. Yeah, I mean, it's like if you said these, they fight 10 times. Could yeah. Megan Anderson win two times? <laughs> if they fight 10 times? No, no. If they fight 100 times, I think Megan Anderson could win two times. Yeah, it's just like, for me, Megan is just, she's got to keep the distance. She's going to have to stop the takedown. Um, I think a man can win this fight no matter where it goes. Now, I think there's no doubt the easiest path to victory for her is taking this around. By the way, I'll mention, uh, I'll speak with Jason Witt, who fights later on this month, trains at Glory under under James Krause. Because I was asking, I was like, hey, are you in Vegas already? He's like, no, he goes, I'm, I'm still in Missouri. And he was telling me that because of the amount of fighters that Glory has fighting all these UFC cards over the past couple weeks, this coming weeks, that James Krause will only be home about eight to nine days over the next 30 days. Yeah, it's a good problem to have, Jason. It means you have an invested coach. It means you have a successful team. I mean, there's there comes a day when, when you're not getting out to Vegas that often or you're not having fighters reach that platform so often. So, uh, you know, he definitely has a great thing going. And, I mean, we've been talking about James Krause for, I think, like three years now. And uh, he's really, you know, broke onto the scene this year. Yeah, it's great to see that he is finally getting uh, the, the respect that uh, he is, uh, has shown over the past couple of years. Let's move on to the third title fight. That would be the Bantamweight title fight. Peter Yan defending the Bantamweight title. His first title defense, taking on Al Jermaine Sterling. Of course, this fight has been, uh, been you know, it's taken a while for us to get to this one. Uh, and this was a fight that we got a lot of questions about. And uh, first off, I'm going to mention this just from Hunter because I yeah. think it's a great way to start off and talk about breaking down this fight where he had asked, uh, ask, can Pete engage in talking about calf kicks and the proper defense to them? Yeah, I mean, calf kicks right now, nobody has an answer for them. It's don't get hit by them, right? That's the most obvious thing. Um, try to fade back with your hips so that your leg is not there. Um, turn your shin more outwards than you would for a thigh kick. Like a lot of people just pick their their knee straight up and they're so lazy with it that it touches their shin and their knee. And it, you know, when they're not getting kicked in the calf, that's a that's a, an acceptable defense. But when somebody's really trying to wrap around, you have to truly commit to turning your shin out. Um, I think another defensive thing that people don't talk about a lot is switching stances, right? Like if you look at that Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier, the reason Conor McGregor was so caught off guard from the calf kick is because he hasn't fought too many southpaws that can actually go to that lead, the outside of his lead leg. So anytime somebody's starting to calf kick you a lot, give them a different look. Make them have to kick your other leg now. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Which is not their dominant leg. Um, you know, it's so easy to say that you need to do this and do that. It's in the heat of the moment. But um, threaten with a takedown off of kicks too. Like, I mean, the, you you want to like with Aljamain Sterling, right? He wants uh, Peter Yan to really respect his wrestling. So anytime that he throws a, a kick, if it's even lazy or whatnot, act like you're trying to go for that double leg, that blast double right off that kick or throw a right hand down the middle. I mean, answer them with some type of offensive movement as well. We could sit here and I could break this down all day long and they both enjoy kicking quite a bit. And Sterling has an unorthodox striking about him. But I mean, what's really going to get him to the top of the divisions uh, and especially this division, it's going to be just, uh, you know, a phenomenal grappling and uh, phenomenal wrestling and pressure and just pace. So if Peter Young cannot defend the takedown, we're talking about a very interesting underdog here in Aljamain Sterling at 7,800. And if Peter Young can defend the takedown, that's where I think he becomes a very interesting play over on FanDuel. Let me show this. Uh, this came in from Slack uh, where it said, uh, the most exciting fight of the night, in my opinion, is Jan versus Sterling fight. Do either of you from a DFS optimal lineup see a value in having one of these fires on your car with Giannis slight favorite 53.49% win probability? Do they just cancel each other out? Or maybe are you recommending a stack card with both uh, with 15 fights? I just, I'm not, I'm not going to be stacking uh, any fights. I think this is, I mean, this is a coin flip fight for me. I, I would think I would be, I think it'd be better off for this to be the 8,100, 8,100 fight than Casey Kenny and Dominic Cruz. I think it's a very close fight. Um, I will tell you this. When you talk to a lot of fighters, Pete, a lot of them are siding with Aljamain Sterling. They all think it's Aljo's fight. I, I think one of the things about Peter Yan is, I think there's, this is by far Peter Yan's toughest fight that he's had to date. Yeah, I think that's why a lot of people are backing Aljamain Sterling because, you know, he brings that wrestling approach. And to be honest, a lot of United States fans and United States fighters will always side with the wrestler because they're able to dictate where the fight takes place. Um, you know, that that's a great base for a lot of fighters to have where they can really mix things up. You want to keep it standing, they keep it standing. They decide to take it to the mat, they can take it to the mat. I do think that Peter Jan is extremely talented and I'm actually favoring Peter Jan in this, in this spot. I just think like the accumulation of shots, his high output, he does have good takedown defense, um, and I, I think that he's going to be able to have a, a nice performance here. But as far as the three title fights, like Aljamain Sterling is one of my favorite. I prefer him over Jan Blachowicz. He's my favorite underdog of the title fights. Like I'm going to have plenty of Aljamain Sterling. Um, I think that you're talking about scrambles, and, and you and you go back and you look at the uh, Sanhagen fight that Sterling had. You know, he went down. He took him down and submitted him pretty quickly, and. We could see the same thing, right? Like if somebody takes your back, it's it's over. And especially a guy like Sterling. Um, I, I do favor Peter Young. I favor the volume, the striking, the skills. Um, I, I just I think it's his fight, and I think he's going to be a champ for a while. Is there a path to victory for Sterling if he can't get the takedown? I mean, like he's he's good enough on the feet, right? Like he is good enough on the feet. Um, I just think like. He's going to have to really prove that he has a great chin. And outside of that uh, Marlon Moraes fight, he does have a good chin. He does leave it up in the air, throws a lot of kicks first. So a lot of his attacks start with kicks. Um, he's not, he's nowhere as crisp as uh, Peter Yon. And I do think that Peter Yon's able to threaten in different ways, switch stances, box, 
throw knees, throw chopping low kicks. Um, and I, I, I do think that Peter Jan, uh, from a striking standpoint, I could see him getting a finish. Uh, I really can like a late accumulation of shots, but grappling wise, it, like you said, it's a coin toss, man. Like really is. And I'm going to have plenty of Aljamain Sterling. Yeah. I'm with you there. Of course, uh, when you want to get, uh, some of our great premium tools and content we have over at awesome.com. You got to sign up for an awesome plus weekly pass for twenty nine ninety five. And if you just want a MMA weekly pass, you can get that for eight ninety five. The top fighter tool, our pro plays, the top uh, fighter projections we have up there. So you got to check that out over at awesome.com. Of course, uh, be sure to sign up awesome.com slash join or right there on the main page. And there you see it right there on the screen where you can sign up for your awesome plus membership uh, is a great tool that we have over there. It's a reason Alex also Baker is the number one DFS player in the world. Move on to a lightweight matchup that uh, I love this fight matchup between Islam Makachev and Drew Dober. Uh, as I think about this fight, to me, it just comes down to can Drew, Drew Dober stay off his back? Yeah, I think that Drew Dober is going to be a very popular uh, pump play, and for good reason. He has excellent hands, excellent power. Um, the the lone blemish in Islam Makachev's career has been a knockout defeat. So um, a guy like Drew Dober, who over the years has really grown into himself and has definitely evolved into a better fighter. Yeah, I mean, you talk about team elevation, a strong team, well-prepared. He definitely can take advantage of Islam Makachev, but – I do favor Islam Makachev. Um, I, I think that his, his grappling, his wrestling is a little too strong. Granted, it's been a while since we've seen him in the cage. He can compete on the feet, but I don't want him to do that. I want him to take down Drew Dober like immediately, start to really implement takedowns. Um, you know, Dober defends well early, but the, you can he does get taken down and has been submitted in the past. And I actually can see that happening in this bout. I think that Islam Makachev's just so strong, so talented, so technical in the grappling department that he can survive on the feet as long as he avoids the big shot and then really dominate on the ground. So I like Islam Makachev here quite a bit at 9,400, favoring him like, I don't know, let's say in the matchup like 80% of the time, 20% of the time, I do think that Drew Dover can can come through and get a knockout um, and he's going to be a popular pump play. I'll have plenty of Drew Dover, but obviously I'm siding with Makachev. You have to note that Makachev hasn't fought since 2019. I think that's something to kind of think about. Yes. Could we see a little bit of cage rust there or not? But uh, to me, Islam is definitely the guy uh, to go with here. And there's a reason that uh, he's over three and a half one betting favorite in that. Let's move on on to a light heavyweight matchup. Alexander Rakish taking on Tiago Santos. Looking at the salaries for this one, uh, you got 8600 for Rakish, 7600 for Santos. $19 for Rakic on FanDuel, $11 for Santos. Then over on Superdraft, 1.3 times for Rakic, 1.45 times for Tiago Santos. I feel like this is a fight in terms of GPPs that you're likely going to have to have the winner in this one to be optimal. Um, you know, there was a question that we got on Twitter that I want to mention. It was in relation to Rakic potentially going the takedown route where it says, uh, ask if we could cover uh, Santos's ability to keep getting up if taken down by Rakic as well as the proper defense um, to this. Uh, you know, that, that really is the key because we saw it there in the Glover fight. But even though when he was getting taken down with Glover, he would get back up and, he, you know, he still had that power. I mean, you got to imagine, you know, the Rackage corner, that's got to be part of this game plan is let's not get into a firefight with Tiago Santos and, and those those hammers that he has. 
Yeah, I mean, you're talking about two big guys right here, and Alexander Rackers is a great striker, um, exceptional athlete, and uh, I think a name to circle in the division. Now, Tiago Santos, there's going to be a lot of recency bias in in this bout. Now, we have to look at it from, you know, a in that type of standpoint, from a DFS standpoint, that Tiago Santos could be the ultimate leverage play here because of everybody getting burned from him against Glover Teixeira. A lot of people were hot and heavy on him yeah. in that matchup. He burned a lot of people. People don't want to go back to that well, but it's a different fight. It really is. And I don't know if this is a fight that I will be prioritizing in my lineups. Um, I feel a little differently than you do. I think it's going to be an action-packed bout, but I can see these guys going tit for tat and being a little cautious and um, maybe it resulting in an underwhelming fantasy score. But I do think that, uh, you know, Rackett should, should look to mix up some takedowns because we have seen Tiago Santos get outclassed on the mat. Um, get finished on the mat, um, kind of make some, some, you know, some like beginner mistakes on the mat, even though he does have a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu background, but I am okay with putting Tiago Santos in my lineups. Like I have a slight lean to Tiago Santos. I think this is a huge step up in competition for Alexander Rakic. And you talk about Tiago Santos who, you know, arguably beat John Jones. And I know that he has two horrible knees and in his previous bout was coming off of major, major surgeries. So perhaps that's why he had a, a bad performance, but he's a threat on the feet. He rocks almost every fighter that he's in there with. Mm-hmm. And you know that he's just susceptible to takedowns and getting kind of out grappled. So I'm okay with targeting Tiago Santos because I know that a lot of people aren't going to be on him. I like to get different and getting different on a 15 fight slate is how you're going to make the optimal lineup. Especially over on FanDuel, you look at $11 for Tiago Santos. That, that's a number that really sticks out to you because you imagine if Tiago wins this fight, the likelihood is he's going to win by finish at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Rakic on the other side, he could rack up some points with takedowns, control time, and strikes on, on the ground. So I think that's something to pay attention to there. And, of course, uh, there you see uh, the ownership projection we have there on Tiago Santos. Of course, you can head over to awesomeo.com right now. Free content of the day is our ownership projection, so you definitely got to check that out. Let's move on to a band and weight matchup that's just going to be the feature prelim on ESPN, and that'll be Dominic Cruz versus Casey Kenny. And I will tell you, uh, so I talked with Casey um, I guess a month, month and a half ago before he really made a lot of news. I think we all know uh, what that news was. And I was surprised when I looked at the odds over at odd shopper at, at awesome.com to see that Dom Cruz is a betting underdog. Yeah. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. Right. I mean, we talk about Dominic Cruz, arguably the best bantamweight of all time wins over everybody dominance in the WEC, uh, you know, great fights in the UFC as well, coming back off of major, major injuries and major surgeries. And then, you know, coming back in the cage, having great, great wins um, and then getting stopped by uh, Henry Cejudo. Um, it's a case of does the right, this, this ring rust or, or cage rust really affect Dominic Cruz at all? Or does like he pull off the unthinkable again and kind of just come in like, you know, like no problem at all and and take out a guy who's really taken advantage of the pandemic and has been in the cage so often. I mean, what Casey Kenny's got to be in the cage like four or five times since Dom Cruz's last fight. 
Yeah, no. I mean, Casey's a guy that he loves taking short nose fights. He mentioned to me that when he got the text from his manager, Jason House, he his first initial reaction was to make sure that, hey, you're texting the right person, right? <laughs> and, and, but then his other thought was like, okay, it's Dom Cruz. I don't like to wait that long, but I'll wait because it's Dom Cruz because this is a fight that could elevate Casey Kinney up into it. And, and earlier in the week, I was looking at this fight going, okay, you know what? You got to hit this one. But then as I've, I've really thought about this matchup, I don't know if it ends up being optimal because of what I think this fight's going to be. I think it's going to be a 15-minute fight that primarily plays out on the feet. And when you look at this new DraftKings scoring system, I just don't know if this fight has the potential to be an optimal-type fight. Yeah, I would agree. I, I think the only thing that would make it really optimal is based on the price, right? It's kind of that nice 8100 range for each guy and uh you know dom cruz his style in general he he depends a lot on footwork movement and evasiveness now all three of those can result in you know low totals for his opponent and also low totals for himself because he's so worried about being tricky and 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 mixing things up that it doesn't result in high you know significant strikes or in his opponent hitting him a lot but you did see that Henry Cejudo invested in leg kicks and then invested in a, uh, you know, a kick that where Dominic Cruz ran into the knee and was rocked, fell backwards, hit with a bunch of unanswered shots, you know, questionable stoppage. I've seen plenty worse, but I mean, he, he was trying to get back to his feet and however you feel about that stoppage, you have to take that damage into consideration and his age and the injuries. You have to take all that into consideration, right? Now, it's a fight that I'm not prioritizing really for my lineups because of the Matador-esque style of Dominic Cruz, right? Like what happens if Casey Kenny's out there trying to kill him and he's swinging and missing a lot? He's unable to land. He's maybe you mentioned it to me. He gets frustrated. Like those are all possible situations. And how many times have we seen Dominic Cruz do that to everybody in the division? And now you can also talk about Dominic Cruz being able to dictate where the fight goes. Casey Kenny's an excellent wrestler. But I do believe Dominic Cruz is the better wrestler here. And that's kind of where he catches his opponents is where they're caught off guard. He takes them right down. So um, I'll have shares of both guys, but I'm really not prioritizing. If any, like I, I do find it hard to believe that Dom Cruz comes back in here and just goes right through Casey Kenny. I think that Cruz can win the fight, but maybe it's like underwhelming and it's just on the scorecards. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Yeah, I will tell you, uh, looking at the ownership projections over here, I was actually surprised to see how low Tom Cruise is at 10%. I would have thought uh, on FanDuel it would be a little bit more just because he's only $14 over on FanDuel. Yeah. Casey Kenny at $17. I just think when you look in that $17, you know, $16 range, $18, there's just, there's just better values over on FanDuel. And looking at Superdraft, I, 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 you know, 
If you think Dom Cruz can win by finish, that two, 2.2 times multiplier in the champion spot does kind of stick out to you. But I think that fight's got 15-minute decision, but uh, really looking forward to that one. Next up, we got Song Yudong taking on Kyler Phillips, 8,800 for Song Yudong, 7,400 for Kyler Phillips. And, uh, you know, last week we, we talked about, you know, those – fires under 8,000 that we were looking at. We were looking at Kevin Kroom. That went horrible for us. Oh, God. And, and Kyler Phillips is, seems to be the guy this week that I'm really looking at of that under 8,000 to potentially pull off the upset. Yeah, you know, Kevin Kroom showed the guy I thought he was last time. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I was wrong in his fight against Roosevelt Roberts because I thought that Kevin Kroom was showing up. And clearly it was still there. And, uh, man, that was not a good performance. But – as far as this card, I will say that, uh, you know, Kyler Phillips is an interesting target. He definitely is. 7,400 for a guy going up against, you know, Song Yudong, who is an excellent striker, good boxer, um, you know, has has good skill sets, but does allow his opponents to kind of have competitive moments in there and has some questionable wins in the division. If you really go back and you look, uh, you, you think about the Marlon Vera fight, you think about the Coney Salmon fight, like, you know, I, I do think that maybe he's a little overblown with the 8,800. I think it's a closer fight than what the salaries say. I think Kyler Phillips is, you know, well-rounded, good striker, sneaky ground game. And I think that's the X factor in this situation, right? Like if he's able to take Song Yudong, you know, down, can he work towards a submission victory? I think he can. And I think his grappling and his jiu-jitsu especially is pretty strong. So I do like the kicking game of uh, Kyler Phillips. He's a guy under that 8K that I am targeting. I do agree with you there. I'm fine with it. Um, you know, it, I think that he could get a victory. It's just, can he finish Song Yudong or can he really put together an incredible performance? There are definitely some other underdogs that can have those finishing scores, mm-hmm. those 100-point scores. But uh, I will have plenty of Kyler Phillips. And Song Yudong is kind of a guy that I'm, I'm relatively uninterested in. Appreciate everyone that's here live on a Thursday or, or if you're listening to this after the fact on the also podcast network or YouTube, if you are watching us on YouTube, of course, really would appreciate that subscribe button to Awesome. We have shows all the time here. And of course, uh, be sure to hit that thumbs up video. Hit that notification bell so you know when a show is live here on the channel. Coming up after us tonight will be the NBA Late Slate Live Before Lock show. So uh, stick tuned here to Awesome. If you're not subscribed to the channel, be sure to subscribe to the channel. Next up, we got Joseph Benavidez taking on Ashkar Askarov. Joe B returning after... Another uh, failed attempt to become the UFC flyweight champion here. And, uh, you know, it was interesting hearing him talk a little bit this week where, you know, he said there were other fights that were presented to him. Uh, but at that time, you know, just the, the names that just didn't intrigue him. Uh, but, uh, you know, he wanted to get back in there with a the top contender. This is Askar Askarov. And this is another fight that I, I kind of look at from a GPP perspective. I just don't know. Like, if I was going to say, what's the odds this one is optimal, I might say like 20%. Yeah, I'd probably say a little bit under that. I mean, you talk about Askar Askarov, undefeated fighter, but does have a, a draw on his resume. Um, you know, coming into the UFC, had a ton of hype, excellent grappler, you know, really strong wrestler, can compete on the feet, he's fine on the feet. But now he's going up against Joseph Benavides, who is arguably his toughest test to date. And I will say that uh, Joseph Benavides, if you only know him from his previous two fights – that is like so disrespectful because his entire body of work from the WEC to the UFC is pretty remarkable. He is a staple in the bantamweight, but also the flyweight division. 
Um, you know, he's just done so much for the sport for the lighter weight, cl- weight classes. And, uh, you know, he's a complete game. Like he has good striking, very good hands, really good wrestling, um, and sneaky submissions, especially his guillotine choke. So I do think that, uh, Joseph Benavidez, maybe the disrespect has gone a little too far, but I can't blame people for worrying about the damage that he accumulated in those Davidson Figueredo fights, right? Like, you know, whether it was a headbutt and then two finishes, we're talking, whatever you want to think. He got outclassed twice, but Davison Figueredo can probably do that to the entire division. He's just so incredible. Um, it's where is Joseph Benavidez at in his career? I do think that the game plan and the style of Askar Askarov, he's used to being the better scrambler, and he's used to being a guy that ends up on top. I can actually see him getting reversed. I can see him getting thrown, and I can see him being put into – some some bad spots by Joseph Benavides. I never thought I would be really like backing Joseph Benavides, but I also thought that Benavides could have had some moments against Davison Figueredo. And maybe I got my WEC blinders on and I'm ignoring the undefeated record of Askar Askarov. But I like Joseph Benavides to pull the upset here. I really do. Even though it's probably a closely contested bout, I'll lean Benavides. Yeah, it, it's uh to me it's a coin flip fight. We'll go over our, our straight up fight picks right at the end of the show. Of course, you've probably seen the also avatar all over DFS leaderboards. Well, that's for a very good reason. And you can rock our avatar on your DFS profile and you'll win a free month of also plus when you place within the top three in any GPP of five thousand plus entries. So head over to awesome.com slash announcement slash avatar. Or simply Google search Osmo Avatar for instructions on how to download the image. Always love seeing those Osmo Avatars when I'm going there and looking. And there you see it right there on the screen of how you can get that avatar and put it right there on your profile on your favorite DFS platform. Moving on, we got another matchup. We got Rogerio Bontaran taking on Kai Kara France. Uh, this is another one I look at and just say, God, is this is this a how much exposure should we have on this fight in, in a GPP? You're a hater with the with the lighter weight classes, but you're not wrong though. Like I I don't blame you at all. Um, you know, and generally, like in the grand scheme of things, lighter weight weight lighter weight classes don't perform in like with crazy numbers for DFS. Yes, they're they are more active. There are more scrambles, but now we're talking about advances being gone, which is a difference maker. Um, we're talking about how striking matches aren't really valued the same. And uh, it's a, a slight decrease towards, you know, striking output. Um, you know, I, I think that Kaikar France is in an interesting spot here. Rogerio Bontarine is a very talented fighter, well-rounded fighter, but is going to be behind in the striking. Like Kaikar France coming from city kickboxing. I love that gym. That gym has been hot forever city kickboxing is such a strong gym they do something right i mean coach eugene's really got you know it all down whether it's their mental whatever they prepare even physically they just seemed to be like in great shape and ready to go kaikara france had moments in that brandon royable fight and it's somewhat of a similar matchup because uh is going to look to take him to the mat he should because that's his path to victory he's he's exceptional in the grappling and jiu-jitsu department and I think that's where he could work towards a finish. Like Bontarine submitting Kaikar France really wouldn't surprise me. I just think that Kaikar France probably keeps it on the feet with his good takedown defense. And I, I think that he's able to pick apart his foe. Uh, land, he lands at nearly double on the feet, 5.16 significant strikes compared to Bontarine's 2.3, 90% takedown defensive rating. 
I just think it's going the distance though. So you're, you're right on cue with saying that it's going to be probably a fight. You don't have to prioritize, but I'm, you know, crazier things have happened. I like Kai Car France. He has some pretty significant power for the division. Yeah, I'm with you. I like Kai Car France in that one as well. Then we got Tim Elliott taking on Jordan Espinosa. And I mentioned this uh, about Tim Elliott to you before the show yeah. is how much does this new DraftKings scoring system potentially hurt Tim Elliott? Because he's a guy that when he gets on the ground, there's so much advancing going on. So you're losing out on, on those points. But also, can you trust Tim Elliott? No, you can't. And you, he's definitely on my don't trust list, but you have to recommend Tim Elliott because he can go out there and break the slate. He's done it before. Like his pace is remarkable. His, you know, ability to chain takedowns and just have a relentless motor is the reason why he's in consideration in this matchup. I mean, it's an extremely volatile fight, right? Let's be clear about that. Tim Elliott is going to go bananas from the belt and he's going to go out there wild. I hope that James Krause, under his tutelage, he's kind of been able to calm him down. You know, we saw Kevin Kroom not have the best performance of the, under James Krause. But then you think about Derek Minner, who was a maniac, was able to kind of calm down and settle into the fight. And I think that if Tim Elliott does that, you know, he could win the fight. But, I mean, the speed advantage for es- Espinosa, like, he has good hands. Um, the, the tricky thing about this situation, right, like, you have Tim Elliott training with James Krause, who's around Kevin Kroom, who Kevin Kroom used to be in the Mexico area and is a really good friend of Jordan Espinosa. So how does that dynamic work? You know what I mean? Like, is he telling one guy secrets? I don't know. We'll have to see. But I do think that uh, Tim Elliott at 8,200, close your eyes, hope for the best. I will be targeting this fight more so than probably, let's say, the – uh, the Askarov Benavidez and maybe the Kenny Cruz fight just because I feel like it's going to go one way or another. Tim Elliott's going to walk into a punch or walk into a submission, or he's going to go out there and take him down. Like he's playing with a wrestling dummy. So we'll have to see. I am favoring Elliott. I think a concern maybe you have with Tim Elliott is if he works so hard in that first round, looking for, you know, those takedowns, potentially we saw him wear it down. We saw that happen to him. Jordan Espinosa could be a really int- intriguing yep. play over on FanDuel you know, in terms of those takedown defenses. So I think that's something to pay attention to there. Next up, we'll move over. We got Kenny Njueku taking on Carlos Olberg. Olberg is the favorite in this one. Break it down for us. Yeah, I mean, you talk about Olberg coming from City Kickboxing, right? Like, I can kind of just say that, and you already know where I'm going to go with the, with the entire thing. Like, I do think that Olberg is a fantastic striker, but he is green in, in regards to MMA, right? He's only uh, 3-0. and um, it, but he does have some kickboxing experience as well. Kenny and Jaku, uh, he's good. He's a big guy for the division, 6'5", 83-inch reach. So he has a 6-inch reach advantage in the fight. But I think like from a skills standpoint, I don't think that he's quite as skilled as Olberg here. I mean, you hear Israel Adesanya kind of pumping up Olberg and saying so much in the media and really having tons of interviews talking about how he struggles going going up against Olberg in the training room and how he doesn't want to spar him a lot because Olberg's just, he's there. He's in your face. He's so talented. He's able to push the pace, hit you hard. He kicks hard. He says nobody wants to hold pads for him. Um, I'm favoring Olberg quite a bit, and I think we could be looking at a finish here. He is green in regards to MMA. What I mean by that is if Kenny and Jake was working takedowns, he's able to put him on his back. 
you can definitely see his game and his holes exploited here, but I don't really foresee that happening. And Jake Wu likes to keep it on the feet as well. I just think it's going to be at a speed disadvantage, a technical disadvantage, and even a power disadvantage. And Olberg should get a nice victory here. Samuel, appreciate you there in the Super Chat. We will get to your questions right at the end of the show. Move on. We got uh, Sean Brady versus Jake Matthew. Sean Brady, uh, just over a 2-1 to one betting favorite in this one. Uh, this is one of those ones. I mean, Sean Brady, I, I had a chance to call one of his fights uh, when he took on uh, Colton Smith for Shogun fights down in Miami. I mean, this guy is, he's got that that grappling base abilities um, and uh, Jake Matthews has not had success when he comes to the United States. Yeah, I know he hasn't. Uh, Jake Matthews, definitely an underdog that, you know, can pull off the victory here. He is 10 and four in the UFC, um, you know, but Sean Brady is three, and zero. both guys are kind of like, they're, they're pretty similar. It's like mirror images. Like they both have a similar game. Um, you talk about good boxing for both of them, slight edge to Brady in that department good wrestling, slight edge to Brady in that department, but you never really know until these guys fight each other. Um, both Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. So it's, it'll be fun to see this fight. Like I'm excited to watch this fight, but from a DFS aspect, right? You get big scores in dominant performances. So in order for somebody to have a dominant performance, one, one guy's usually, usually got to be pretty bad in one area and, or a fighter's got to be able to take advantage of a weakness. And I don't really know if that's going to happen in this fight. Like, I think it's going to be competitive. You can make a case for either one. But I do edge Brady. I think that Brady is, he's really well, like, he's really good everywhere. Um, I think that he's well-prepared. And, uh, you know, I, I like the stable of fighters that that Henzo Gracie Philly area has. I know Daniel Gracie, and I'm training with Daniel Gracie. I know those guys, and they are really, really talented. That's where Paul Felder originally came from, like, that's, that stable of fighters is extremely strong. So uh, I am favoring Brady in the matchup. But an upset here, it's priced like Brady's going to go in there and have no issues at all. I think it's I think it's closer than that, but I do favor Brady. Yeah, the thing with Brady is I kind of want to see how we get to ownership when it comes to Saturday yeah. with him when we're talking about those 9,000 options because I feel like he's going to be a guy that maybe people don't necessarily look at, so you might have a little bit uh, a way of getting value there with Sean Brady. Next up, we got a female matchup. Liviana Souza taking on Amanda Limos. Amanda, 8,700. Liviana, 7,500. Gosh, man, I... I don't like this fight. And the reason I don't like this fight is because I feel like I'm going to get this fight wrong and I'm, I'm up front with it. Right. Like I feel like I'm going to get this fight wrong when I initially heard about this fight, like, and I've seen the body of work, like, to be honest, I wasn't too familiar with, with Lamos. I've seen her fight, but I, I watch a lot of fights and sometimes I forget until I actually put the face to the name. Um, I have seen Lavinia Souza. I do remember her, especially regionally. She had a lot of success regionally. 14 to two overall, you're talking about Lamosh, who's eight, one and one, both competitive, both good in, uh, in all departments. Um, you know, if you have some knock on some fighters, right, you will say that Lavinia Souza's output is minimal 2.2 strikes per minute. So that's pretty low. Um, in the UFC, she has not flashed the same success that she had regionally. Okay. And that's the knock on her, but what's saying that she can't, what's saying that she can't go out there and have that performance. I mean, nothing really. We're talking about low-level women's MMA in this bout. Um, a lot of people don't want to deal with the fight and don't want to touch it. So I definitely think that you could gain some leverage by targeting this fight. Just good luck getting it correct. I think that Lamos on the feet does look exceptionally better. She doesn't um, She doesn't telegraph her shots as much. She puts extremely 
like good combinations together, like actually like really impressive power. I worry about the grappling of Lavinia Souza. And I understand like, you know, Lavinia Souza is slightly smaller, you know, inch, inch, inch less in height, two inches in reach, but she does have an extensive judoka background and Brazilian jiu-jitsu background, both Brazilian jiu-jitsu aces. But, um, you know, I think it's a lot closer than this fight. And I wouldn't hate a Souza upset, to be honest. Uh, do you have a lean in this fight, Jason? Because honestly, like, I mean, like, I broke it down. And initially, I was favoring Souza. I watched some tape. I like what I saw from Lemos. And now I'm kind of caught in the middle where I'm going to have limited exposure to both. But obviously, because of the price point, I think the opportunity for Souza to have a good performance is a lot higher than Lemos at 8,700. Yeah, I won't have much exposure to this fight. I mean, I, I do do a lean towards Amanda in, in this one, but you, you you bring up some great points about Sousa, who's uh, just about a two-to-one betting underdog as we do this show here on a Thursday evening. Of course, if you want to check out the odds, just go over to oddshopper.osimo.com as you can see what the betting odds are for the fight. And you can sign up for free today to track your bets and receive alerts when the lines do move, when you're looking to get a line at a certain spot, there are some uh, there are some prop bets that uh, I do uh, have have stuck out to me. I'm interested to kind of see how they do it, and I, and I've talked about this in terms of DFS. I think that you know even if you you, you you're just a DFS player, you, you don't bet on the fights. Looking at those betting lines can help you out because it can tell you where the public is going. You can see you know where where did the bookmaker open up that fight at. And where has it gone to? It can really open your eyes a little bit to where, uh, you know, the, the public thinks of a fight. So you got to check out that over there at oddshopper.osimo.com. Also, be sure to check out the pin tweet over on our Twitter handle at Osimo underscore com. It's also in the YouTube chat to enter for our giveaway for a chance to win a free month of also plus platinum. Just click the link to enter and perform any tasks listed to gain more entries. This giveaway will run through 11.59 tonight, so good luck on that. Uh, we've got some great tools and content. Of course, also get access to our premium Slack account, which can uh, really help you out a lot. You got any questions there for Pete Rogers Jr.? Of course, uh, if you're not subscribed to us here on YouTube, be sure to hit that subscribe and hit that notification bell so you know when the show is live here on the channel. Of course, as always, do appreciate the thumbs up there. That does help us out a lot as well. Let's move on to a fighter that I am very familiar with, and that is Alon Cruz uh, out of my hometown here of Tampa. He has actually been training in Vegas, and he's moving up to 155 pounds. Well, I talked to Julian Arosa uh, last week after his win. He had said that uh, when Cruz came out to Vegas and started training, he's like, I didn't know who he was. And he goes, I asked him, and I, and I go, what, what week do you fight? And he goes, 45. He goes, dude, you're massive. And very much Alon Cruz is like you, Pete, a very, you know, tall and, and lengthy fighter. Yeah, Alon Cruz, man, six feet, 78-inch reach. That reach is pretty wild. Longer reach than I have. Um, Jason, you have some inside information on Alon Cruz because he's in a very interesting spot here against uh, Uros Medic, who comes from, you know, uh, a promotion where we don't really hold a lot of value and they don't really have the most talented fighter. I do think that Uros Medic, if you look at his tape, he is he's aggressive. He's impressive. Um, you know, some submissions off of his back, some aggressiveness on the feet. But is there some potential here in Elon Cruz pulling off this upset? 
I think the key is what does he look at at 55? I mean, he he did cut a lot of weight. I, I've been in the same room with Lon Cruz. He's a big boy. I mean, you, you would sit there, you walk if you walked to a room and you had no idea what weight class he's in, you would have thought, oh, that guy's a 45er, you know, just like people walk into a room with you, like Pete fights a 40. Yeah, he made he made 45 at one point. Not, mm-hmm. you know, he's not trying to hit that 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 146 on a scale anymore. But I mean, the thing is, is that you know, Elon made the decision of you know what, I'm going to go out to Vegas. Let me get around the PI. He's been working at Extreme Couture. So to me, it's just a lot of question marks. I mean, obviously, based on what you see in the octagon, he hasn't fought in what over a year now. Um, You know, so a lot of question marks there. Um, I I think it's, you know, well, well, I take some flyers on a lot of cruising GPPs, no question. Yeah, I think it's I think it's warranted, right? Because there's so many unknowns surrounding uh, Udo's Medich. Where you're talking about, you know, the wrestling, the grappling. Yeah, he has submissions off of his back, but like we haven't seen him face too much adversity in his career, and you don't know how a fighter's going to respond until they're under those bright UFC lights, getting cracked, and they're in vulnerable situations, right? Like we've seen fighters break before. I mean, think about Max Roshkoff, right? Like he looked fine until he was under. The, you know, in the UFC and then broke. So I am still favoring Uros Medic because of the aggressiveness and how Elon Cruz was, you know, t- uh, knocked out and finished against us by Carlisle. So knocked down and finished, I should say. Um, and I do think that, you know, Uros Medic, my coach was, my coach Greg was pretty impressed with him. Um, and he's usually pretty good at spotting out some guys. So I, I do think that Medic has a slight edge here. It's just the price point, right? And there's so many unknowns. Like he could easily replicate that Spike Carlisle early KO and, and get rid of him quickly. But what happens if he doesn't get that early round one KO? How does he sustain pace over the, the reigning two rounds? We'll have to see. You could do worse than Elon Cruz. My heart says I want to pick Elon Cruz, but uh, my brain says something different there. We'll do, get our picks here momentarily. First fight of the night, we got Mario Bautista taking on Trevin Jones. Of course, Trevin Jones uh, won his uh, – initially won his UFC debut, I should say. It was overturned to, uh, to a marijuana test. Of course, Mario Bautista, you know, he has he you know, shown his ability to finish fights here. So uh, what's kind of your, your thoughts on this fight? I, I mean, if you think about Trevin Jones, right, like Trevin Jones – was brought in to lose against Timur Valiev and did not lose, should have lost. Uh, he was hit from pillar to post. The referee didn't step in. I mean, he was shelled up just, you know, in the fetal position at one point, taking shot after shot. And we've seen worse stoppages than that. And I don't really see how you can dispute that. That fight should have been stopped, but it wasn't. Timur Valiev went out there a little reckless, started to really hunt for that, that finish. And the one thing about Tremon Jones is he's, a, he's got a good counter shot and hit him clean with a counter shot, followed up some ground and pound. And if you look at Tremon Jones's highlight reel or his regional tape, you will know that when he hits people flush, he puts them away and he finishes them with some aggressive strikes, um, you know, some sneaky submissions as well. But as far as Mario Batista, like, I think Mario Batista is pretty skilled. And I think that this is a fight that has decision written all over it, where Batista can outclass him in all facets of the game, um, mix it up, avoid some damage coming from a strong camp and MMA lab. Uh, you talk about city kickboxing in the MMA lab might have a very successful Saturday night. And uh, will we see both camps go, you know, undefeated? We'll have to see, but I do think that for the large majority, they, they will be successful. And I do favor Mario Batista 9,100 price tag, though, for DFS, it's kind of like, ugh, I don't know. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, Sam asked if I was going to be all over the first Friday night. Um, I, I definitely prefer the Mario Batista side of it. But, you know, Pete, I mean, look, you, at, at 9100 I need to finish out of Mario Batista yeah. for that price to pay off. I just, you know, and I, particularly with this new DK scoring system of who Mario Batista is, I feel like for him to be awful at that price point, he's going to have to get a finish there. Uh, let's get into, I want to get into uh, Sam's, uh, you know, super chat question here. We kind of, you know, get to these here pretty quickly. Uh, top two cash. Adesanya Nunez, if you can afford it. Top two GPP. Um, Mahachev and Jan. Top two live dogs. Phillips. Is Tim Elliott still a dog, technically? You uh, know, yeah. I think he's 8,200 on DraftKings, so I guess not. It's weird, right? Yeah, he's plus one. He's plus one ten when I did the uh, the sheet. That, the okay, so there. you get. Mm, I'll say I'll say Elliot, even though that's kind of a cop out right there. Uh, favorite top inside the distance. Um, Olberg. Uh, top champion and MVP plays. Ooh. Well, who are you thinking for the champion MVP play? That's an interesting call. So I'm, I'm looking over at the super draft champions. Um, I mean, look, I, I think it'd be easy to sit there and say, you know, give me Anasanya 1.8, give me Nunez 1.5. Hard to get away he, from Nunez, man. It's hard to get away from Yeah. Nunez. I mean, Peter Yan at 2.05, he, if he can keep it on the feet, I mean, and, and land the strikes, I think that one is an interesting one to me. Um, as I kind of go down a little bit, Maybe a Sean Brady's a sneaky one at 1.8 would be be someone I would stick there. But like overall on on the FanDuel side of things, you know, I'm I'm looking, you know, someone like um maybe a Makachev. Um yeah. I mean, if you can afford to get the New Year's of twenty three dollars, I mean, I, you know, that that to me is the easy one. I would agree with that. I mean, it's hard to dislike Nunez, right? Like you and I joked last week, we're like, will we see the first ten thousand fighter? I think we should have. I really think we should have. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's go through our straight up fight picks. These are not DFS related, just our straight up fight picks. Uh, main event. Uh, give me, give me Izzy. Yeah, Adesanya. Nunez, I think. Nunez, yeah, <laughs> million. Uh, Jan Sterling. I'm going Peter Jan. Give me Aljo. Oh, okay. <laughs> Makachev Dober. Makachev. I'm with you on that one. Uh, Santos or Rakic? Santos. Rakic. Oh, okay. Cruz and Kenny. We got we 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 we're, we're disagreeing here. This is kind of interesting. Cruz and Kenny. Uh I'm going to say Kenny. Give me Tom Cruz, man. We're going we're going another one. <laughs> uh Song and Dog Gower Phillips. Phillips. I agree with you on that one. Benavidez Askarov. Benavidez. Give me Askarov. Okay. Uh Car France or Rogerio? I'm Car France. Same. Uh Elliot Espinosa. God. Elliot. I'm Agree with you there. Uh, Oberg or Injeku? Oberg. Same. Brady Matthews. Brady. I'm with you on that one. Souza uh, Lemos. Mm. I'll say Souza. Uh, we'll go the other way. Uh, Medic Cruz. I'll go Medic. I'm going to go with my heart. Give me, give me a long cruise. There you go. Hey, got to go with my hometown guy. Yeah, you can't. Uh, you know, <laughs> Batista Jones. Batista. And not, those are non-DFS related. Just, yeah. just picks for fun just to see how we're doing. By the way, uh, before he became a full-time fighter, 
uh, Alon Cruz was a bag boy at Publix, which is the big grocery chain down here. So, hey man, I've had some uh, some pretty bad jobs too. A lot of people think like they hear professional fighter and they think it's a lot better than it is. It's really not. Yeah, it's uh, crazy. Of course, so we'll be back here on Saturday live before lock. I believe we're on at five p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So. Be here on Saturday for Live Before Lock. Stay tuned for the NBA Late late Slate Sweat and Swap with Spags and Emac. That is coming up next. Thanks to Monkey Knife Fight for sponsoring the show. Make sure you head over to Osmo.com for today's free content, MMA ownership projections. We will talk to you on Saturday.